you are listening to the Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Social Hotelier podcast with me, Sam Eric Rutman. We have some incredible guest speakers lined up for you, including Jayant Kola, who has published the latest book on artificial intelligence, AI Rising, India's Artificial Intelligence Growth Story. So you're not going to want to miss this one. But today we have a fantastic show. We will talk about hotel branding, and we have a very special guest who will introduce us to the processes and the challenges uh, when you're creating a hotel brand for a company. And I was really thinking about, well, what would be the nice title for this episode? And uh, so I contacted my Claude, who is my artificial intelligence assistant. I said, well, Claude, I, I shared a little bit of the script of, our, of my episode and asked Claude, well, can you give me a nice title for this? And so Claude wrote after 15 seconds, from vision to reality, unraveling the journey of hospitality brand creation. So I couldn't come up that with myself. So that was AI. But anyway, let's go over, start now with the show. And I'd like to welcome a dear friend. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Sam. Uh, thank you for inviting me uh, to this session. Really look forward to exchanging with you and sharing some of my experiences. So let's get started. First of all, the audience would like to know a little bit about your background. So could you share and speak about the, the journey you have had that led you to what you're doing these days of creating uh, brand, branding for hotel companies? Thank you. Thank you. I mean, obviously, it's a long story. Uh, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. I, I decided very early on in, uh, in my life that I wanted to be in the hotel business. I, I like to travel. I like people. And I must admit, I like good food, too. And I like to serve. You know, some people like to serve, some don't. And that was, uh, that's what I, I liked. I started um, traveling immediately. I, I started in Kuwait, met my wife there, actually. I got married in Benin, uh, in Africa, went back to Europe, and eventually uh, ended up in Asia. And uh, did a, a normal, kind of a, a normal hospitality a career moving on through food and beverage, eventually becoming a general manager. And I ended up in, in Dubai, and that's where a kind of a, a change in my career came when I got a, a phone call from uh, Ima Hospitality, actually Ima Properties, and they said, uh, would you like to join us and create a hospitality division? And that was an incredible challenge, and we'll talk about it later uh, in, in this conversation. I then moved back to Asia, and joined the Cree family to create another brand uh, for them. And finally came back again to, to Dubai, joined Jumeirah, and also uh, created uh, uh, another hotel brand for Jumeirah. I'm now in uh, Riyadh. Uh, I'm working for PIF on a, on a very confidential hospitality project, and hopefully I can divulge some of the details in a couple of months. But uh, great to be here. Oh, that's a fantastic career. I have to say I envy you because I, I always admired about the brand creation and I always wondered what, what, what is all the work that goes into creating a brand. And I think that's an interesting topic that we can talk about. But maybe we can start is uh, your, uh, 
what is your definition about brand? How do you see a definition? What is it all about? Maybe that's kind of the, the starting point on, on about branding. Yeah, I actually, you know, I have my own definition, but I, I did like you, you know, I looked at, uh, like, you know, I didn't check with, uh, with ChatGPT, but uh, I, I looked at the history of brands and it seems that, uh, you know, it started early on and was, uh, uh, it came, it came from a torch, torch from a light, you know, so, so it's really, uh, uh, and that's the defini- definition of brand for me, it's really created over time. A brand is not created immediately when you launch it, but it's really uh, created through all the interaction of customers with your product, whatever it is. You know, it could be, you know, whatever, an, a, a car or a computer or in our case, a hotel. So the brand is really created over time through all the interaction, through the look and feel, the service levels, the impression that you give to your customers, etc. you know, so, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, through every interaction, the, the, the brand uh, creates value or increases in value or sometimes also diminishes in value, you know, so that would be my definition of a brand. Well, that's a great, great uh, definition uh, because some people talk about that you, you create in a very fast pace a brand, but what, what you're rightly saying that that develops over time and also the it can change over time and can diminish it can improve so that's a that's a very interesting because that actually that kind of also uh, uh, explains why uh, certain brands are forgotten over time that has been at one time some great great brands and then uh, you don't hear anything from them so yeah that's uh, that's uh, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. You're, sorry to. I mean, to to interrupt. But you remember when one and only was created, right? So, so honestly, I didn't think much about one and only. What kind of name is that, right? So, you know, I mean, I I, I didn't. I couldn't relate to the name. But now it's an established brand and very well regarded. And I, I, I you know, myself stayed in a couple of one and only. So it's a wonderful brand that has developed over time because. They were delivering on the brand promise on in certain extent to a certain extent over delivering uh, on the brand promise you know so and you're right some of the brands have disappeared you know so kodak as an example a good a good example just just disappeared yeah. or the, the good old nokia good old nokia talking about finland right so it's still around a little bit but it's not the market leader anymore for many different reasons yeah that's um that's what happens in this world where the technology changes. There's a generation shift, and uh, and the company is not able to keep up what the, the new demands and the expectations are of of uh, the customer. They take it take the customers for granted, which you never can. Yeah. yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. So um, maybe we can dive a little bit more into the process of creating a hotel brand. Uh, maybe just call it a roadmap, if you will, or how, how would you, how does it look like when uh, you obviously are having a team of people that you work with and how how has it worked for you and how have you, uh, and maybe you can just describe a little bit about that process. Yeah, yeah, but what I can do is talk a little bit about the process and then uh, also talk about uh, the three or uh, four experiences, or maybe three experiences that I had, which are uh, different experiences on different brand creations, right? So, so 
I mean, I guess if you start from scratch today, uh, when you look at it, there must be a vision. You know, I, I think every great brand ha has a, a, you know, a visionary leader that had a gut feeling in a sense, you know. Now, obviously, that gut feeling, say, where, you know, where do you see the white space? That's where it all starts. Where's the opportunity? And it's really forward looking. And when you create a brand, uh, the danger sometimes is to look too much at the competition and at the past versus looking at trends. Where's the market going? And great visionary leaders have this ability to have that vision to say what is going to happen in a couple of years, five, 10, 20 years, right? Because obviously uh, that's an important factor. Now, I'm not saying that research shouldn't be done. I think obviously uh, if you have the means and uh, the investment opportunities, then clearly uh, the research helps to understand the market, where the markets go are going. But I would really spend most of my, if I had to invest money, on, on forward, forward-looking research, right? So where are the trends going? And again, looking for that white space in the, in the market. Then really, you know, what's the purpose? Your brand must have a purpose. What's the deep down purpose? And what's the positioning? Again, back to the white space in the market. How do you position yourself? Or are you going to position yourself uh, going forward? And then it becomes a little bit more technical where you talk about uh, what is the brand personality, you know, the, the, the brand voice. I think an important part of it, and we'll talk about it later, I think it's the whole storytelling, you know. So, 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 so when you start launching your brand, it has to be very catchy and people are going to say, oh, okay, I remember that, you know, I, it is memorable. And finally, actually not the most important, but pick the name. But I found in the whole brand creation, the naming being the most difficult, you know, more complicated, just because it's so subjective. In the case of uh, Imar, had, uh, you know, we had three branding companies, uh, naming companies. Uh, we had a thousand names. Uh, we came down to, to one name, actually, uh, that were chosen internally. Uh, it was the address, you know, and there's a specific reason for that. And we'll talk about it later. And uh, for Patina uh, in Singapore, uh, actually, we didn't use, we, I think we used one agency. And there it was also fairly simple because um, I had one person to report to. So that decision was quite, quite quick uh, and good. And finally, if you have a lot of decision makers, it becomes very difficult because everybody... Uh, has an opinion, you know, I don't like this name, I don't like that name, etc. But actually, the name is important and there's certain guidelines for the names that you want, you want short, catchy, etc. Uh, and available, of course, that you can trademark. But uh, at the end of the day, it's back to what I said earlier, the brand is created over time, and suddenly you get used to a name. When you look at one and only back to my story, now everybody knows one and only, and it's a great brand. Then you have other brands that are, you know, uh, Hilton, it's a name, you know, Marriott, Mr. Marriott. Uh, it's a brand, but it's really the last name of the founder of the company. And, and uh, the other part uh, is really the slogan, you know, um, take Nike, just do it. You know, a catchy slogan is gone. 
uh, with the address, we created uh, Where Life Happens for many different reasons, again, uh, that I can explain later. And finally, it becomes really a, a branding agency that gives you the look and feel, the logo, etc. But it's, again, very technical uh, and, uh, you know, creating the website and so on. So, so that can, is kind of the steps that um, uh, you have to go through if, if, you, if you create a brand. During the process, um, how do you test what works and what doesn't work uh, in order to that you know that you're on the right path? Is it the gut feeling or are you, are you very scientific about it? Let, let, let me maybe talk you through the free experiences that I have, right? So, so for example, let's start with the address, right? So, so we had the white sheet of paper, but we, we had an existing product, you know, so uh, we had hotels under constructions, you know, so it was really actually not a white sheet of paper because we did have the hotel that were being built. So we actually built the brand around the product, you know, so we said, okay, these hotels, they are, uh, very close to, um, demand drivers like the malls, right? They are, there is a white space in the market. Uh, at that time in Dubai, there were no lifestyle hotels, what you call lifestyle hotels. So now they're all over the place, right? So, so then we said, okay, let's position that brand as a, as a, as a lifestyle brand. Uh, on the, how you define that, that would be a, a whole other podcast, obviously. And then, uh, you know, let's create that brand around uh, uh, the activities of the malls, you know. So that's why we, our slogan where was where life happens, right? So uh, active lobby, very um, attractive food and beverage, close to a mall, a, a buzzing hotel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, so so in this case, it really started with the product. Now, another example, and I had the great pleasure to work uh, with uh, Mr. Giorgio Armani, and that was an interesting exercise because you have an existing brand very strong brand, uh, globally known, but you know, what does it mean to have an Armani hotel? What is the experience of an Armani hotel? And we had to really create the Armani hotel experience, hospitality experience. And this was a huge issue for Mr. Armani himself, because for him, every interaction with his brand is, is going to influence the brand. So, uh, in a, in a retail environment, he can control the experience, but much better because it's a physical store so that he can control. He can control to a certain extent the service, the atmosphere. He can certainly control the product because he's creating the product. But in the case of a hotel, he gave away his brand to an independent operator. And we have so many touch points in the hotel business that can go wrong or go very well the check-in, the interaction, uh, uh, you know, collecting your bag, calling the hotel, having a good meal, etc. So that was really a huge, a huge, uh, very, very, very complicated. And, and he, he felt really um, uh, very insecure at the beginning when we opened the hotel. Afterwards, obviously, we delivered on the service, etc. He was very pleased, etc. And I want to give you a little anecdote with Mr. Armani, if you don't mind. So I guess we're drifting a little bit, but I think that's the whole purpose of a podcast like this. Uh, when Mr. Armani came for the, 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 the opening of the hotel, you know, we gave strict 
direction to all our colleagues. Don't approach Mr. Mani. Don't do selfies. Be very careful. He wants to be very private, etc. And when he arrived, it was completely different. You know, he was the first one to take selfies, to, 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 to do group pictures with the staff, with our colleagues. And it was a wonderful experience. And then I said um, to him, oh, Mr. Romani, I think this is so great that, that you're so approachable. He said, and he told me, look, Mark, I represent the brand. This is my name. So if I am not approachable, if I, I am not perceived as being approachable, that means my brand is not approachable. And that was a great experience to me. And that talks about, you know, every contact with the brand, you think this is a great brand, this is a brand for me, or this is not a, a good brand for me. I tell you another brand in, in the fashion industry, and then you can jump in one quick question, uh, one second. For me, Tom Ford, fantastic brand, but honestly, it's not a brand for me because if I go to a Tom Ford store, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel welcome. I feel I don't belong there. Uh, you know, it's obviously very expensive, but I think I potentially could afford to buy, buy a, pair of, a pair of shoes there. But I don't feel this, that brand is right for me. So, so I think that's my little anecdote. I think you wanted to say something, Sam? Well, I, I think it's a great uh, uh, testament about uh, a personality who has a name on, on, on the brand because it's so easy to uh, identify with uh, Mr. Amarni uh, when, when you see him that he's in a very approachable way uh, rather than being a distant. I mean, uh, there are many fashion designers who are uh, less approachable. They want to just create their uh, fashion and be seen on the catwalk to bow, and then they will not, they will not be around anymore. But this is a very good. I mean, I, I have an experience with the, the Armani Hotel, which actually uh, I liked. I mean, I of course I paid attention to uh, the the staff employee fashion or whatever it's called these days, or or uniform. But they, of course, they were very fashionable. And uh, and also the the various offerings, uh, and I one particular thing what I liked about the hotel was uh, Peck, this uh, uh, casual restaurant, and I did not know what this Peck is. And I then of course when I went to Milan, I knew that there's a a place where you can go and buy some good food and good uh, things. So I mean, it just gave a kind of a good feel about what uh, Milano and uh, Giorgio Armani represented. So yeah. It it worked very well. I think you had the, you, you 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 covered all the key points. Yeah. So so when we go to the third brand, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, you know, the third brand was the Patina brand that's in Singapore, right? So there, um, you know, again, we didn't spend uh, much money or or um, uh, you know investment in research. Also, so it, again. We, it was a little bit of a gut feeling and a vision, you know, shared vision with uh, Mr. Cree, myself, etc. And again, it started with a hotel. We had a hotel under construction and we, we thought, how do we position the hotel? How do we find, again, that white space? Uh, and, and today, there's less and less white spaces. So maybe that's another discussion we can have later. It's really to find that white space. And, and what is the common vision 
of of the founder of the of the hotel company you know so obviously the Cree family are uh, lovers of great architecture art etc so picking the name patina was an easy one uh, we had two choices and we clicked quickly uh, picked patina obviously the, it's the, the the patina that develops over over years in a over a beautiful piece of furniture, uh, and uh, you know we worked on the on the flagship, on the 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 issue, and that's a big issue that we will talk about later, is the flagship, the flagship strategy. Uh, that's where with uh, the address and with Armani we were in a situation where we did really well because we had two flagships. We had obviously the, the, the Armani Hotel in Dubai, which is a true flagship. And then the downtown um, address, which was the, the, the best hotel, the, the best location, etc. The challenge that I had in, in Singapore was I, I didn't have a flagship, operating flagship. So we went through the whole process. We developed... We did some research to try to find the white space. So we thought that we had it. We had the purpose and the positioning, personality. Also, how did we differentiate ourselves from uh, established brands? We had the story, we had the, the name, we had the slogan, the brand, etc. But I didn't have the flagship. And that was the biggest challenge that I had because people said, I love the name. I, I, I love your brand. I love all the things you're doing. And I trust the Cree family that will do a great job. And I think you have an incredible experience, etc. cetera. But uh, I'd, I'd like to get the look and feel, you know, I'd like to stay in that hotel to see if, if, if it's the right hotel for me going forward. So I call that the flagship strategy, the first flagship, which will create the brand. And we look at all the great brands, you take um, Raffles, Raffles started in Singapore. Everybody associates themselves to, to Raffles. You have uh, Waldorf Astoria, clearly, St. Regis, etc. You know, so all these great brands had a, uh, had a flagship. And I think that's an important, important lesson learned uh, looking uh, backwards uh, that really uh, slowed down the development of that brand. And it's only recently that um, the first patina opened in the Maldives. Very successful, I believe. Yeah, it's interesting. This uh, flagship strategy that you talk about is that uh, for per, if we take a brand that is very well known in, let's say, out of New York, a very classic hotel in New York that uh, you you hear about them, you 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 read about them, but when you stay in in the same branded hotel in a different location, what are the key things that uh, one should feel when you go there? Uh, because the, the name is one thing, but uh, uh, how can one relate to the brand in New York when you're staying, let's say, in in Dubai or 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 in Bangkok, for instance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the this is a, a good, a very good question, a good point. When you look at some brands that uh, got diluted, right, and that's what you were daring to do. So you stay in a, you know, I I work for Ritz Carlton. When Ritz Carlton was created by Horst Schulze, etc., that a very, very strong brand identity. But honestly, now, uh, nothing against Marriott. I mean, it's a great company. I'm not saying anything, but you can stay in so many different Ritz Carltons, and what differentiates maybe is obviously the culture and the service, right? 
other than that, uh, it could be a St. Regis, it could be, uh, a, a, you know, it could be any other hotel, unfortunately, you know, so it becomes more and more difficult when you start growing to, to, to retain that brand identity. Uh, and the only way, in my opinion, is really to own the hotels, right? So, so you're in, in, you, 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 you own the assets and then you can control in a, in a, in a much better way. So you take, for example, a brand like Peninsula, you know, 10, 12 hotels only in the world, but they own most of them or at least 50% equity. When you start uh, going into asset-light strategy and the big big players are all there, they all asset-light, right? They don't know own the assets anymore. So that's when you really lose uh, control over uh, the brand. So the only thing you can really influence uh, the, the, the brand is, is by developing brand markers, right? So uh, uh, I call this non-negotiable, you know? So let's say the clock, you know, the clock at the Waldorf, right? You have to have a clock in the lobby. Okay, fine. You got the clock. Or the maybe the staircase, I think St. Regis has the staircase or the butlers, etc. So these are non-negotiables. But um, uh, again, if you don't, own the hotels, you have less and less influence, right? Uh, and some some brands have done a great job at retaining their identity. Take an Amman Hotel, right? An Amman Hotel, you step into an Amman Hotel, you know that you're in a, an Amman Hotel. It's very peaceful, Asian design, etc. It doesn't, not every Amman Hotel looks the same, but you know that you're in, a, in an Amman Hotel. Now, other brands... I've gone, I got diluted over the years and didn't have that same direction. So for example, I think something that accorded really well with any small, uh, they bought quite a few brands, as we know, 42. When I left, it was 42. It's probably 45 by now. Uh, but uh, they retained the initial founder of, uh, of the brands. You know, they say that person potentially retain some ownership. I don't know exactly what the deal was, but they are in charge of the brand essence. When you look at the mama shelter, you look at the 25 hours. So the founders of these brands are still with the company and I hope they will stay going forward. And they're really the, the brand guardians of these, these, these brands. And I think that was a very good move that they did. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I had a chance to to meet uh, some of the founders of these brands. And uh, uh, when you meet them, they are larger than life and very personable person. You can understand uh, how they're, uh, what really was created about their brand. And I think this is very smart that to, to retain them because this is uh, when, when, uh, the, when, it, when it comes only just a name and a brand and then you have a different uh, share uh, stakeholders in the company who wants to have their say what the brand should be like, then of course there, may, there might be a shift in what the brand will be and the, what the brand experience is. Uh, there comes efficiency, comes, uh, uh, yeah, we, should, we don't need this, we, we can cut down that, which was originally the basis for the brand. So that is very smart that they do that. I, w I want to uh, talk, uh, we can speak about a little bit the, the market research that goes into uh, creating hotel brand. Uh, uh, you said that if it's a single visionary, he has, he's looking at that white space, looking for uh, future looking or forward looking. Uh, uh, but there, are there some 
systematic marketing researches that are conducted and maybe tested to find out what is the, the direction. Is this really the way we should go about in creating a brand for this particular location or, or the market? No, absolutely. I think, I think uh, like I said, um, there's two, two, two areas, obviously looking back and looking sideways and looking forward. You know? So looking back, uh, looking at the history of, uh, you know, the history basically saying, uh, and then looking sideways, looking at the competition, you know, what is out there, you know, and I must say things have changed enormously over the years, when you look uh, back when we started in the hotel business, you had a couple of established brands, the Hiltons, the Sheratons, and, you know, we both worked for, for these um, brands. So they were the established ones, you know, that's where you used to go. And then eventually they, there's an emergence of boutique hotels. Um, I still remember, uh, you, you, you might remember when Amandari opened uh, in, in Bali, you know, I took my family there. I knew the GM or developer and invited me to come over. So I said, oh, wow, this is great. I go there. I went with Rima, my, my daughter, Stephanie. And I couldn't believe I had my own plunge pool. I said, this is like incredible, right? This, I have never seen this before, that you have a villa and on top of it, you have a plunge pool. Now, today you go to the Maldives, the holiday in, in the Maldives has a, has a plunge pool. So how do you differentiate yourself having just a plunge pool it's not a differentiation anymore, for sure, you know. So yeah. you look at the pool, you know, maybe you want a bigger pool or maybe you want jacuzzi or I don't know what you want. But yeah. really, that has changed, right? And then obviously the, the, the whole trend of the boutique hotels, then the whole trend of the lifestyle hotels, etc., 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 you know. So and we've come to a point where... You know, there's so many brands out there. You you told me thousand brands uh, in the market now, uh, hotel brands, right? I think you researched that, or Claude told you also. Is it Claude that told you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, but, I really googled myself. <laughs> you googled yourself, okay, good, good. But but you look at um, the the big boys, right? I call forty two brands, right? And I said by now they probably have forty five brands. You know how differentiated are they? These brands, you know, so big question mark on how how um, how uh, uh, are the brand experiences really in line in each one of the hotels that you're going to stay? You know, so so it it, it becomes uh, hugely difficult to find the the white spaces i still think there are some white spaces on what i said earlier in uh, in our discussion is really the main focus should be trends you know where where is where are the markets going you know so obviously uh, at the moment i'm in saudi arabia so we're looking at trends in saudi arabia you know it's a, a young generation that is growing up what what are their needs not today the needs in, in five years, you know, because a hotel takes three, four, five years to, to, to open on a, a brand to establish a brand, you have to establish it for the next generation. If that's the, the target market that you want to go after, the main focus should be on, on forward looking, you know, obviously creating personas. What kind of, what kind of customer are you going to attract? Is it the, the young, audacious traveler? Is it the well-established, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of uh, income level uh, is it? Male, female, etc. Where, where? So, so, so that research is hugely important because you you want to 
uh, understand what is the audience, number one, the white space, but also what kind of audience do you want to captivate? So when you try to, uh, when you are uh, working on identifying the target audience for hotel brand, uh, you mentioned already, you touched on this, but could you a little bit uh, uh, talk a little bit more deeper into that uh, target audience? Because this is something that is quite interesting uh, in the sense that we are looking at the generation now, let's say, uh, what is it, the latest generation is Generation X, I think, or Z or something, which is going to be yeah. the well, 10 years old. How, how do you go about thinking, well, uh, we, we, they're going to be the, the largest, our largest potential audience. Now, uh, they are very critical about, uh, they're on social media, they're very critical about the ecological issues, and they are blaming uh, the parents and the grandparents for screwing up the planet. So how do I create a brand for them? <laughs> No, I mean it's it's a it's a good point, right? So it's uh, so so again, uh, working with uh, consultants that specialize in that area. You know, say if you have the means and on on, it's it's definitely worth investing in, in that area to look. Uh, again, back to the white spaces. Is that the white space you want to be in? Right? So you might want to be in a different white space you want to look at maybe i don't know all inclusive or something else you know so uh, a different and then uh, also nationalities you know when you look at the demographics uh, of the up-and-coming uh, uh, societies you know you look at china you look at india you look at 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 um, saudi arabia saudi arabia is you know 35 million 70 percent are uh, below the age of 30 so that's a, a, a growing population. So is that the white space that we want to capture, right? Uh, and that's that's the discussion, and that's the the, the research that needs to be done. Thanks for joining yeah. us this week yeah. on the Social Hotel Show. You mentioned about uh, Make sure to brands website, uh, earlier, and I was looking up hospitality.com. Uh, what was going on in the brand in iTunes space Spotify, and, and the hotel companies the and. While you're at it, if you I think found one of the issues the that show, I learned was that rating on iTunes, uh, or if you simply tell a friend about hot, the show, large that would help companies, us too. Actually, Make before sure they even launch the, 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 the product, or maybe they have it as a, a, a project, they, they give it kind of a code name, and while they're trying to figure out what is the, the brand that they can use. And uh, I, I, <clears throat> I noticed that in, in, in New York, uh, there was an a, a fair and there was a brand that was marketed as Project Mid-X Studios, which sounds like a film production company or a new pair of uh, Nike shoes. And, and it was actually an announcement of a new hotel brand with just a placeholder or a code name. What is the issues with securing a trademark? It's quite touchy. I mean, you were very fortunate with address because that's... Uh, you can do it, but uh, when you come up with something else, what are or patina for that matter? That's also a very good word. But what are the trade trademark issues that you uh, have have uh, have run across during your your career in in creating brands? Yeah, I mean the trademark uh, goes. It, it is it is obviously part of the the naming. Uh, you, you need to be able to trademark the the names. Now you can't to trademark the name worldwide in all different um, sections becomes hugely uh, expensive, you know. So so if you know that your target market is going to be, as an example, uh, you know, you have a, a Saudi brand as an example, or GCC, so you're going to trademark your, your names, maybe major destination, uh, but 
the whole of GCC. So you're not going to trademark your name in China because your interest is absolutely not to go to China, right? So, so I think I think that's 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 an important aspect to do before you launch your brand. Clearly, you know. So, and that that excludes a lot of names because uh, when you find a good name, they say, "Oh, this is great. Uh, it's been used already, you know, or it's trademarked already, you know." So, so that's an important aspect. So I guess um, for me, what they're doing is is in my opinion just a gimmick, you know. So. I can't think of anything else. If you launch the brand and you're ready to launch the brand, then you launch the brand, right? And you launch it with a flagship, a big bang and, 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 and so on. And then you are successful, you know? So, uh, uh, but the trademarking is, is, uh, an important aspect. And back also to the naming, finding the right name, uh, again, as a, a couple of guidelines, you know, it has to be catchy, obviously, you know, so that's quite clear. Uh, easy to remember, uh, easy uh, to Google, etc. Um, uh, uh, not too too long, uh, you know, one or two syllables, you know, so on, so on, and so on. And, and again, the, the names um, that develop over the over time, and they become great names. If your product or if your hotel is a great hotel, and you you have found your niche. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the, what role does uh, storytelling play in creating a hotel brand. Uh, I'm sure you have some ideas to share about that, the, the storytelling and, and maybe some anecdotes also. Yeah, I think, I think storytelling uh, is huge, right? Because um, everybody remembers a, a story. I, I remember so many stories from my various days in, in hotels but I don't remember the color of the carpet. I don't remember if there was a chandelier and I certainly don't remember the color of the stone. Right. So, but I do remember people. I remember, uh, the stories of the hotels. Right. So now, you know, of, of course, on you, you, you can work with people that help you develop the stories. The stories have to be there. Right. And they have to be also, uh, you know, not, not too engineered, you know, so, so you come into a hotel and the tea is this and that, and then the butter is, comes from, you know, the, the farm next door and this comes from here, etc. So it becomes a little too, too engineered, but a true story. And, and, uh, uh, and I tell you a little bit about Patina because that was all about storytelling when we were interviewing and we, we had already a team in place, we were interviewing uh, candidates to, to join the organization. We asked them, do you have a hobby? Right. So if they said no, didn't hire, <laughs> but if, if they had a hobby, uh, what did it mean? It meant number one, that they were passionate about something. So they could develop a passion. If you don't have a hobby, I say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't do anything. I watch TV, da, da, da. You're not going to be the right person to, to have passion in what you do. The second thing is if it's an interesting hobby, then it's a great storytelling. So for example, in Singapore, my old story was always Johnny in the laundry. He's very passionate about Tai Chi, right? Tai Chi. And if a customer comes and he said, oh, by the way, you know, Tai Chi, I heard about Tai Chi. I said, oh, wait, we have an expert. It's Johnny in the laundry. I called Johnny. 
Johnny comes and directs with the customer and is passionate about Tai Chi. And he tells him, by the way, if tomorrow morning at five o'clock in the morning or six o'clock, you want to come to the national park, my grandfather is teaching a Tai Chi session every morning at five o'clock. Customer wow. goes with Johnny to the park as the most incredible experience. Yeah. And we'll tell that story so many, many times. And that's storytelling as an example. So the whole, one of the brand pillars for Patina, I don't know if it still is, was storytelling. Finding people who have a story to tell on a passion that they can, it doesn't matter what it, the passion was. It could be collecting, uh, you know, I don't know, bookmarks or could be collecting uh, butterflies or whatever it was. But that was the storytelling and uh, made a huge, was really a brand pillar for that brand. That was a great, uh, great story. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm told that uh, the, the, the best story about the hotel is that the, the, the hotel brand becomes the fifth, uh, is occupying the fifth seat at the dinner table. So there are the, there are the discussions that you have just stayed in a wonderful stay in a hotel. And then, then basically the, the stories are about like uh, about Johnny, for instance, or someone else, or somebody who is uh, passionate about uh, butterflies. And uh, you learn something new uh, in, in the location where you stayed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, 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 the promise was that staying at the hotel, you will stay at the hotel and will leave the hotel in a, you will feel better when you leave the hotel. Now it could be that you physically feel better because you had a beautiful massage, this, that. You, you learn something, right? You learn something, you walk away, you know, oh, I have this incredible Tai Chi story. I'm going to look into it and I'm really going to do, uh, to, to practice it myself. Or maybe you had a great gourmet experience, you know, whatever that experience was. But you need to leave the hotel enriched. You know, if you leave the hotel just having slept there and paid a lot of money for it, that's not right. That's then we failed. That was that yeah. was the that was the objective, you know. You need to leave the hotel enriched. Yeah. Just a small anecdote. Uh, we traveled with my wife to, to London and we stayed at the Corinthia Hotel. And uh I, I love poached eggs or, or, and you know, this one of the things I'm not, I don't have no idea how to make them, but uh, I have some ideas, but the, the way they made them was so perfect. So uh, I mentioned that we talked about with my wife, I said, uh, she said, Oh, I really not, I wonder how I could learn how to make it. So cheeky as I was, I asked uh, <laughs> the restaurant that uh, any way that we can, my wife would like to learn how to make the, the way you make poached eggs. Okay, not a problem. We the next morning we were invited to to the restaurant and uh, I met the, the breakfast cook who is the expert in this and uh, we learned how to make the best uh, eggs Benedict and uh, and uh, and poached egg and if you ask me how how does the carpet look like in the Corinthia hotel no idea but the, the poached egg was really the thing that I still remember and I would go back for it because of that. Yeah. And how many times did you tell that story? How many times do you tell it? You probably told too many people. Absolutely. Because it is one of those, uh, uh, when it comes to London, it's but memorable stay in, in one of the hotels. And, and uh, it was the poached egg story, really. 
people can relate yeah, to yeah, yeah. A, a great poached egg. So, yeah. Well, Mark, uh, uh, some great discussions here about branding and, uh, and, um, but I have uh, just two more questions for you before we wrap up. And one question I'd like to ask all my guests and besides what we talked about, what are the, some other trends that you see happening or trends happening in the hospitality branding that, that hoteliers should take note of, uh, you touched on many things, but there's some particular thing that uh, you've still like to mention about that. Yeah, I think I think you know um, I think people are taking shortcuts with the branding. Sometimes you know they they go straight into branding agency, give me a logo, give me this, and then they they work kind of backwards and don't put a lot of enough emphasis on delivering on the over delivering on the brand promise, right? So, so and how do you do that? And the importance of culture, the culture, what kind of culture are you going to create? And that was my experience, obviously, with Fritz Carlton, how uh, important that culture is, you know, I, I, we, we both work with Hyatt and a great company, but unwritten culture. I don't know if you remember, there was not really a written culture. It was kind of, we all kind of work in the same way, hands on, nice to each other, you know, work hard, play hard, all that good stuff. But that was kind of, that's how I described that culture, right? We had with Hyatt. Ritz-Carlton was really, really descriptive, etc. And I think, I think the culture is hugely important and the culture cannot be created by a branding agency. I recently did a project and I said, okay, let's talk about the culture. Yeah, but we got the culture. Our agency in London did the culture. I said, guys, this is not how it works. It's we are the creators of the culture. I say, what do you mean? We are going to do it? Yes, we are going to do it. We're going to sit for two days. What kind of company do you want to create? What kind of culture do you want to create? And how are we going to make sure that we do it? Then the same thing was about the employee promise and so on. I said, forget, it's nice work, but the agency, the agency will do, they should take care of the website, the look and feel, etc., the brochures or whatever it is. But the culture comes from within. We have to create that culture. We have to make sure it's lived every day. Well, that's where Ritz-Carlton was so successful in really making sure that you walk the talk. Small anecdote. I know we're running out of time, but that's no, a good one. No, no, there's it's, plenty of time. Yeah, okay. I, I, I worked with Hyatt right in Singapore, you know, great. And finally I got approached by Ritz-Carlton and they told me all about this culture and the blue glass and the blue and, and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. And I said, look, oh, okay, I'm going to join them, but I know how to run hotels, you know. I've, I've, be, I've done all that, you know. And this is typical American, you know, uh, brainwashing, etc. So, so uh, you know, I looked at it. It's all about respect and looking after people, looking after your colleagues. So, you know, there was nothing that I thought I, I couldn't believe in, right? And when I, I started really believing, when I went to my introduction to uh, Atlanta, and I had my little credo card in my pocket. I looked at it on the plane, etc. And suddenly I go to uh, what they call a lineup. And I see Horst Schulze, the founder of Ritz-Carlton. Everybody lined up, 
all their executive team, myself included, and he was quizzing everybody on the culture and say, okay, what's brand pillar number one? You know, John, tell me now and give me an example. They say, I better learn this. I better quickly learn because I mean, I, I, I don't know, I don't know it by heart, you know, so I was kind of sweating. It says, if he asked me a question, I'm not going to know the answer. That's when I, I truly become a, became a believer because I said, look, if the chairman, if the CEO of the company takes it so seriously, then he has to, and then I became a, a believer. I went back, I lined up my kids I said, guys, that's it. Quiz me on the, the, the credo card. So they quiz me. And my wife said, what happened to you? You know, they give you a blue pill or something. I said, no, no, I, I truly believe in it. Next thing I did my lineup with my team. And then I went out and did some speeches, et cetera, about Ritz-Carlton. What was it? It was created by a small group and lived every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had the pleasure of working. I had some colleagues who had, coming from Ritz-Carlton and, and then really that kind of culture rubbed off on, on the kind of work we were doing. Uh, I remember in one lineup, there was a discussion about <clears throat> asking, it was a staff were lined up and uh, there was a, from housekeeping, uh, they were called roommates at the time. So, uh, so they, they asked, uh, she was asked, well, what is your, what is your uh, responsibility? What do you do here? Uh, well, I'm uh, cleaning, cleaning rooms. No, you are here to create experiences. You know, that was sort of yeah, the yeah. attitude to yeah. uh, that. It's what uh, that, that physical of cleaning the room was the one thing, but actually creating the experience for the guests was what really was the the what everybody was talking about. So yeah, that's how I remember. Yeah, I mean, it's called. I mean, that's the purpose. That's the purpose, right? I mean, if yeah. you come to work just to clean a room, it's, mm. you're not going to create special memories, right? But you you can. You you have that influence. Yeah. And everyone has the influence, right? So, Good. All right, Mark, my final question is that if people like to connect with you, uh, where can they reach you uh, on any of the uh, public networks so they can maybe, so you can maybe start a discussion with them and maybe answer some questions? Yeah, no, have. sure. Yeah, yeah, no, sure, sure. LinkedIn is probably the best one, right? So you can look, mark that in. You can search it and, you know, I normally click, uh, accept all the invitations no, normally. <laughs> so, so uh, I'd love to continue uh, exchanging and it's great, you know, so uh, I love these podcasts, you know. Very good, Mark. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, for, I appreciate you joining today's episode and uh, I, I certainly learned a lot myself about branding. So, but uh, now for all the viewers and, uh, and listeners, Stay tuned for the next episode because we will continue with Mark. Uh, we'll talk about something more, kind of about what we, what we have done in our past and share some anecdotes. So I hope to look forward to welcoming you again to the next episode. Thanks for joining us this week on the Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we appreciate rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.